Welcome to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast, hosted by former Army ROTC Professor of Military Science, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rob Kirkland. In these episodes, we explore how to best prepare yourself to obtain one of these valuable scholarships for those applicants who wish to attend a college or university and become officers in the military. The application process can be complex and confusing. This podcast works to make it more understandable. And now, the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. Hey everybody, uh, welcome. Yeah, here today we're going to be uh, talking about the Dodd-Murb uh, Physical. So Dodd-Murb uh, stands for the Department of, of Defense Medical Examination Review Board. And what Dodd-Murb does is they schedule, evaluate, and certify all applicants as medically qualified or medically does not meet medical session standards for the U.S. service academies, ROTC scholarship programs, direct commission programs, the uniform services, University of the Health Sciences, and uh, many uh, applicants apply to multiple programs. But today we're going to be looking at the ROTC uh, piece of this. Dodd-Murb is located at the U.S. Air Force Academy, Colorado Springs. Dodd-Murb isn't part of the Air Force Academy but is actually on stationed on the uh, Air Force Academy base in Colorado Springs. What's the bottom line with the Dodd-Murb? What the Dodd-Murb Medical is trying to do is they are trying to determine or they're determining if a person is medically qualified to be able to deploy into austere areas of the world and not be affected medically and not to put themselves in danger or other people in danger because of conditions. Now, I've done many deployments to Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, uh, and other places uh, where it's going to be a conditions where you're not going to be able to you know, rely on medical care right away. And if you have a, a underlying condition that would uh, be dangerous, uh, you're basically putting both yourself and others in danger if you have this medical condition and you don't report it, or you're not, uh, or it, it's undiscovered, or it comes up in in uh, your military duties. So people who have medical conditions does, doesn't allow them to continue to serve. Oftentimes, have to be medically retired uh, because uh, they can no longer function in austere environments. So that's what Dodd-Burr is trying to do here. They're trying to medically determine whether or not somebody can function and deploy as a uh, military member. So uh, with that out of the way, what I want to do is uh, bring on uh, John Edelman. John Edelman was here uh, last, uh, or in our last episode talking about their parents' perspective uh, of the ROTC. And uh, I know we promised to bring him back regarding the uh, Dodmer process. And so uh, just wanted to welcome um, him back and, um, and really get his perspective because his son just just gone through uh, the Dodmer process. And I, I know that you know, he has spent a bunch of time learning about the Dodd-Murb and has uh, certainly has some insights, I think, for our listeners here today. So, John, welcome uh, to the podcast. Uh, how did you uh, learn about, um, well, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you um, and your personal experience with the Dodd-Murb process. Yeah, thank you, Rob. I appreciate you inviting me back. Uh, as you mentioned, guess I've seen the Dodd-Murb process from two different sides, uh, the most recent being with my son who uh, just completed the process and was awarded an Army and a Marine Option Scholarship. 
And then uh, I guess rewind, and it's hard to believe it's been this long, but uh, 1990, 1991, uh, I was a, a, a rook uh, at Norwich and uh, was working towards obtaining uh, a three-year sideload marine option scholarship. And uh, once I got into the Dodmer process, I had to go back and, and meet with the physicians and an injury that I had had in high school that required knee surgery uh, turned out to be a, a non-waverable condition. And therefore, I was unable to commission into the Marine Corps. So uh, I, I, I know a lot more about it now than I did then. <clears throat> but it's, it's, it's good to have a, two different perspectives uh, looking at it as a, as a student and then as a parent as well. I mean, given, you know, all the things that you learned with your son going through this, do you think looking back on it, if, if you're, you know, if somebody such as your, your dad or your mom, or maybe a a trusted person had, you know, done some research for you, do you think it would have made a difference in your situation? You know, in my case, it probably wouldn't have. I mean, I had a, a pretty serious knee injury that required surgery. So I think, uh, you know, from the second that I had that surgery, I was probably uh, not going to to be able to pass Dodmerb. But it brings up a good point. I, I do think that, that my case, where it had been a little bit, uh, it was probably on the extreme side, there are a lot of different conditions that that are minor and not nearly as severe that I think can be dealt with now where you don't have to deal with it on the backside during Dodmerb. Yep. And certainly I think the having uh, the internet today uh, makes things um, a lot uh, easier to kind of do research uh, in that regard. So as, as your you know, son had gotten the scholarship and had, um, and then, you know, was looking at facing, you know, a Dodmerb uh, physical, where did you sort of, get your research from and, and what are some of the things, uh, you know, that you did to get the background that you did on Dodmer? Well, the, the, really the first thing, and I guess probably the, the biggest source of the information that, that I obtained early on was from the service Academy forum. And I, and I don't know if that's the actual correct uh, name for it, but it's a form that you and I talked about uh, last week, but it's really a great place to start your research Larry Mullen, who is the deputy director of Dodmerb, is a frequent poster on the site and uh, is always there to answer any questions that any candidates have. But really, you know, where I went after that was the Dodmerb website itself. And it's got uh, very detailed, frequently asked questions. It's got an explanation of the entire process. So I would highly recommend, you know, starting at those two places for uh, just to get your introductions to the, the entire process. Right. Yeah. The FAQs there, uh, Larry Mullen tells you that 99.9% of your answers can be uh, you know, found uh, looking at the FAQ sheet uh, and other things that are on that Dodd-Burb site. It's probably the one of the best sites that I've seen set up that answers, you know, your questions. And I would say just as a, you know, as a prop to Larry Mullen, I mean, I don't think I've ever run into a more a dedicated public servant than Larry Mullen in the years that I was uh, in ROTC uh, running two programs. I mean, you know, he's doing all the things with Dodmer, but at the same time as, you know, willing to answer a parent's questions or, or applicant's questions, as well as, uh, you know, it gives out his own personal email. So, you know, fantastic public servant uh, that Larry is, certainly. It really is. And it's amazing that the hours of the night that he responds to emails, you know, 12, 11, 1 o'clock. It's just amazing how 
how many times he's helped people on the forum. And, and one other thing I'll, I'll throw in there before we go on to the next topic is if as a parent or an applicant, if you, if you, if you take the time and do the research on that site, every condition is discussed there. There's multiple pages of parents and applicants talking about different hurdles that they've gone through during Dodd-Murb. So, uh, you know, a few hours spent researching past people's experience is really valuable. Right. And then uh, that's, you know, there's a search box on the, uh, the, uh, that U.S. Service Academy website that you can uh, look to see other person's postings. And then, you know, we also have to mention DOD instruction 6130.03, which is a medical standards for employment and enlistment and induction in the military services, which also lists all of those uh, standards, too. So, uh, again, a lot of stuff out there, um, you know, as long as you do your, your due diligence. Uh, it is sort of a mountain of information, but I think you can probably wade through it if you, you know, are a patient and give yourself uh, the time to do it. So, so uh, John, let's let's talk about your son. And your son got a Army and Marine Corps Option scholarship. So, I think he got the Army scholarship first. And so, why don't you just walk us through here real quick about your son, so that you know, and how and what he did to go through the Dodmer process, so the listeners out there can kind of understand uh, the process from start to finish. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and the one thing, the Dodmer process for the ROTC scholarships is a little bit different than the service academies. And I know that there there'll be many applicants who are pursuing both service academies and ROTC scholarships, but the the Dodmer process, at least the starting points a little bit different. Uh, the Dodmer process for the ROTC scholarship applicants does not start until you're actually awarded the scholarship, whereas on the service academy side, it, it starts after you submit your application. Mm-hmm. So the process for my son, as you mentioned, he was awarded the uh, four-year Army scholarship during the first board, which I think that was uh, November, December timeframe. And so shortly after uh, he was awarded the scholarship, and I, I want to say it was two weeks later, uh, he was notified via email. And the email that you're going to get is from DodMets, which stands for the Department of Defense Medical Exam Testing System. System, And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, but that's the, the testing side of, of DodMerb. That's the, the side that collects all the information, assembles it, and then sends it to DodMerb. So the first uh, contact that you're going to get after scholarship reward is going to be an email from DodMets. And one of the things that I learned from the Service Academy forum is, is many applicants three, four weeks later have still not gotten their DodMets email. And uh, nine times out of 10, it ends up in the spam folder of your email. So, you know, if you've not seen something two or three weeks after your scholarship award, make sure you check your spam box. And then, you know, really the steps after that, and I'll just go through these quickly and we can go into detail uh, more after uh, later on in the podcast, but really all you do then is the candidate goes onto the DodMet website. They create a, a an account um, based off the information from the email, and then once that account is started, then that's really when the meat of the process starts. The first thing that you're going to do, and probably the most important, and when I say most important, this seems to be the the area that really defines the rest of the Dodmer process is the the medical history questionnaire. And after you submit that questionnaire, you can't take it back. You can't change it. And really that process uh, of submitting the questionnaire, that starts your physical exam, your vision exam, everything going forward starts with that questionnaire. 
Yeah. And John, you, um, you, you sat with your son when he filled this out, right? I mean, because you saw this as the most crucial piece of this whole process. We, we did. And, and, and I want, and I, I don't say that, that the only reason that I viewed it as being that important was just reading the, the, the history of, of cases on the service Academy website forum of candidates that had self-diagnosed medical conditions and people literally spent months and sometimes years trying to undo that self-diagnosis. And and in a lot of times, candidates were never given waivers for either a service academy appointment or an ROTC scholarship. And so, you know, when, when we went down this path, you're in every, every parent, every child, every uh, son and daughter is going to be different. But my point was these are 17 and 18 year old young men and women and their medical history is something that they may not understand. And a lot of the time throughout this whole process, it's hurry up and get this step done so we can get on to the next step. So you think about it, this, this young, young man or woman has just been awarded an ROTC scholarship. They're anxious, they're excited. So they're just going to go check these boxes, get it done, submit it so they can get into their physical. And uh, a lot of times they do this without even the parent knowing. So we sat down with, our son went through each of the questions, had him answer them. And then if he had a question, then we talked about it and made sure that, that what he was putting down was truthful, but it was accurate. It, it reflected his, you know, his medical current medical situation and not what he thought was something. So, you know, the biggest thing that we got out of it is don't let your son or daughter self-diagnose. And if you have a question, ask, don't fill the form out in haste and submit it. Yeah, John, that that's fantastic advice, and yeah, I've seen that too, where where the parent isn't involved, and uh, you know, can resulting in kind of the delays that you're uh, you're talking about. So, so you um, you know, while you know, while your son was certainly you know the person who was taking the lead here, you know, he get he answers all the questions uh, in you know the yes no questions, and then he submits it right. Yeah, that's it. But, you know, going, going back is, you know, there's a lot of questions on there. You have to list any previous surgeries and, and, you know, a lot of people have had their wisdom teeth out or their tonsils out. So there's all this information that you need doctors, dates. It definitely helps to have that parent involved. So you, the more accurate you are on this questionnaire, the easier it is down the road. So. Yeah. And I know we may be, we're probably skipping ahead a little bit, but, you know, it just pops into my mind now is, uh, you know, the fact that if, if there is something that, you know, you're going to be answering yes to, or there may be an issue is, is kind of getting your uh, records together or preliminary records together. Uh, regarding that, because you know that there's going to be some follow up from Dodmer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that can be a lengthy, uh, you know, a lengthy process depending upon if if you're if you've got a condition or you know that that's going to require additional information. It can take a while to, to to make sure everything's pulled together. Right. So then you submit then the the exam itself. So it's submit to it's submitted to the Dodnet's portal. And then uh, you're going to get an email back that's going to be scheduling, that's going to have the exam schedule, correct? That's correct. So, so after you, and every, this is all handled online. So you basically, you fill the, the questionnaire out on, online and you hit submit. And then and, and it's probably a week later 
and, and this it's also important for the applicant to continually check their portal because sometimes the emails come and sometimes they don't. But uh, my son would check it every couple of days. And then the next phase is you get a, a request to uh, schedule your physical exam and your vision exam. And DodMets is going to assign uh, a physician to do the physical as well as a, a, a physician to do the vision exam. And based off my research, they try and pick uh, practitioners that are closest to your uh, home so that you're not having to travel far away. But it's up to the candidate to then call those practitioners and schedule the exams. So you submit your questionnaire. Next step is to uh, have Dodd Metz assign the physicians and then have the applicant actually make the appointments. After you make the appointment, you then need to go back into the DodMets website and enter in the date and the time of your appointment. And the reason why that's important is the date that you put in for your appointment is going to start. They're going to they're going to basically start a clock and say, okay, if your exam is on Tuesday, you know, the twentieth of February, then two weeks after that date, we're going to expect to have the results back. And if we don't, then we're going to, uh, you know, contact the medical provider and see where your uh, exam information is. Right. And so this would be a, a vision exam and a medical exam uh, that the person uh, that the candidate uh, then goes to. So they go to both of these, uh, both of these appointments. What, what can they expect uh, at these, uh, at the vision and the medical appointment, just in, in general terms? I mean, it isn't, you know, I think that a lot of parents and candidates may think that this is an extensive process, and really, uh, it really wasn't that much, was it? No, I think you know the, the the physical exam was was the first exam that my son did, and from the start to finish, it wasn't. It was twenty five minutes at the most, uh, a very brief exam. Uh, there was no blood test or urine samples. I, and again, I was only uh, there for part of it. And I think they might have done a, an EKG, tested his blood pressure, maybe a pulmonary function test. They did some basic tests to determine agility, balance, reflexes. The other thing that the physician did is is go through his questionnaire. And anything that, that he answered yes to, she wanted to have follow-up questions um, just to make sure that that everything was specified in the questionnaire that the Dodmer needed to make a decision. The candidate, uh, my son had to read aloud a paragraph, and I'm not really sure what the purpose of that was other than just to, I guess, make sure you can read and vocalize. Um, but really, it was just a basic physical exam. They you know, asked if you had any uh, tattoos, things like that, checked your body for scars, just a, a real basic exam. Really, 25 minutes, it was over. Which goes back, really, John, to the importance of the questionnaire, because a lot of the things that, that you might list on the questionnaire are not going to be discovered in a, you know, in this kind of, you know, medical exam that they're that they're being given. No, the the, the questionnaire is, is very in depth, and it goes over, you know, every aspect from, you know, mental health to uh, just, I mean, every every aspect you can imagine. From a health standpoint, yeah, and uh, we'll be including a copy of this uh, in the show notes. So if you need to uh, take a look and see a previous uh, hard copy of the these Dodmer exam questions, you'll be able to take a look at those. So uh, then, John, after that, he goes to a, a vision appointment. Now, I uh, now he went to Pearl Vision, right? I mean, which is I, I thought was unusual. It wasn't Pearl Vision. Um, 
it was a it was a chain. It was a a vision, a nation, a nationwide chain that that you know basically you go in, you get your eyes checked, and you get a new pair of glasses. But the exam itself, um, again, I was only you know I took him took him there and picked him up. But in talking to him, just a typical eye exam, you know they are going to dilate your eyes, so they they mentioned that to make sure you you can get a ride home. They asked if you had, you know, I can't remember the instructions, but I believe there were, if you have, if you wear contacts, you know, make sure you take them out, you know, a certain time before your exam. So it was just really a basic eye exam. And, and my only takeaway from the, from the vision exam was after we completed the exam, the physician handed my son a, a card and said, well, you know, here's your prescription if you want to get some glasses today. And and I, I didn't catch the beginning of it, but my son said, well, I thought you said my vision was 2020. And his response was, oh, it is. It, it's perfect. But, you know, you've got you can get a, a real small prescription. And it may help you, uh, you know, driving at night or something like that. And so my son said, you know, this is a, an eye exam for my ROTC scholarship. Is there anything wrong with my eyes? And he said, no, 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 I'll take that off the uh, report. So my takeaway was if you get the option of going to, I don't know if, if it's an OD or, or what, it, what it is, is, is go to a place that specializes in eye exams and not selling glasses. Yeah, no, that's John. Those are one of those kind of, you know, experiences that really can help our uh, listeners here is that is that kind of just, you know, experience there. So great. So uh, so he so he finishes up his, his medical and uh, vision exam and then obviously Dodd maps then submits that to Dodd-Merv. And so really at that point, then the Dodd-Naps process is over. Uh, in other words, there's, there's no longer, you no longer are dealing with Dodd-Mets and now you're dealing strictly with, with Dodd-Merv. So if there are still things, and I know that, uh, you know, if you, if some of the questions that are answered that are yes, and they're not necessarily resolved by the doctor in the in the exam. Then uh, Dodmerv is going to come back to you with uh, with some questions, and and those are what's known as remedials. Uh, you know where and so how does that work? Does the remedial comes back to you via uh, via email, or you log into the Dodmerv site to find out what your remedial is? Correct. That's correct. All the communication in through Dodmets and Dodmerb, you're you're sent an email from Dodmerb that'll it'll say something to the effect there's been an update to your portal. You know, please log in to check it. So you, you finish your your exams, and and this was probably maybe a three week period. It might have been longer between the time that you you actually finish your exams, and then the time that you get notification from Dodmets that your file's been passed on to Dodmerb. Um, and so you'll get a login, you log in and obviously it'll, it'll show the, the, the phase that you're in. It'll say that, you know, it's under review, Dodmerb under review, I think is the, is the terminology. And then, you know, from there, another couple of weeks, my son got a notification that they needed. And, and as you said, there's different, there's different remedial codes and there's different things they'll ask for. His was just an additional medical information, which it, it's an AMI is, is what Dodmerb asked for. And it was just a simple, they just needed a simple clarification on something that he had answered yes to. They needed a, a further a medical document. And since we were prepared for this, we had already had that document ready. And literally, you know, car, my son got the, the request, you know, in the afternoon, and he had gone ahead and sent that on to them. 
and um, he was uh, you know fully qualified less than a week later. Yeah, and John, I think the key thing is here is that you guys were prepared for that. You knew that they were going to be asking for that information, and when they did, you were ready. Right, and and yeah, the, my big my big takeaway from the I guess you know you really preparing for Don Merb is to go ahead and start assembling your medical, your pharmacy records for anything that you think may be an issue. You know, and the other thing too that we found is take the time and, and when you ask for the medical records from your providers, you know, take the time and review them. A lot of times doctors are busy and they may write something down or write a diagnosis down that's really not accurate or is not indicative of the condition. And so take the time to review the medical records to make sure that they are correct. And if you read on the Service Academy forum, there's times when uh, or cases where candidates were unaware that this diagnose, diagnosis even existed um, until they sent the records in. So by the time Dodmerb asked for the records, it's almost if, if you're just now getting to the point of getting them assembled, that's when this process goes from a month to, you know, six months to, you know, there's there's cases where, it, you know, that the freshmen in college, their first year, they're not Dodmerb qualified or DQ'd until late the second semester of their freshman year. So the sooner you get that that information assembled now, the quicker you can get it pushed through Dodmerb. Having you know been a professor of military science in two different ROTC programs, I can tell you the last thing you want to be doing uh, the fall semester of your freshman year is to be trying to work through Dodmerb because if you don't get medically qualified by the fifteenth of December. Uh, it's somewhere around there, usually the middle of December for all of the services. You basically uh, don't get your scholarship money for the first first semester. And so it's really, uh, it can be a nail biter when you're trying to work through remedials. And later on, we'll, we'll talk about service waivers, which is a whole different process. But uh, if you're trying to continue to work through these things, that, that you know, my recommendation, you know, to you would be to everybody who's listening is that, you know, as soon as you get that you know, that Dodmer notification after you get awarded a scholarship is, you know, go answer the questionnaire, get your medical exam, and then get your medical records together because you really cannot afford to have this thing drag out through the fall. No, and there's cases, you know, Rob, you're right, where uh, not only if you don't get it by December 15th, but then if you don't get, if you get DQ'd that second semester, you're, you're, uh, you're responsible for the entire cost of that first year of school. So, uh, the quicker you can get this process going, the you know the sooner you you'll know whether either you're qualified or DQ'd, which is you want an you want a, a, an answer one way or the other. Um, right. So, yeah, absolutely. Important. Yeah, I know when we've gone on these boards, uh, John, um, you you mentioned earlier about this kind of self diagnosis piece, and it was kind of a question about you know the questionnaire and its pitfalls. What what are some of the self diagnosis uh, issues that you've seen on the board? Uh, notice that you know neither neither you or I are doctors, but some of the self-diagnosis things where you know kind of hypochondriac type candidates uh, may actually sabotage themselves. What are some of the things that you've seen? Yeah, you know, and and the board actually it's it's littered with with them, and you know some of the things like uh, asthma and asthma obviously is, is based on my research is is really really difficult to get a waiver for. So you'll have a, a, a candidate or an applicant, yeah, you know, I've got, I've got asthma, or they think they have asthma, or they think they have allergies. 
Um, and they just put yes. And it turns out that they've never had a medical diagnosis of asthma or they've never had a medically diagnosed allergy, but then it's up to them to disprove. And so that's when it's really, really difficult to get into that. You know, you're on, you're behind the eight ball at that point, trying to unprove something. Another thing is, you know, acne. Um, there's a question, do you have acne? And, and many teenagers have it. You know, there's certain uh, medications that are prescribed for acne that are actually, you know, would prevent you from from getting Dodmerb qualified. So, you know, there's all these things that you need to look into prior to starting this pro- process of if you are taking a prescription that's not, uh, you know, some of these prescriptions, you've got to be off for a period of time before you're qualified. So, uh, and, and one of the big ones is Accutane for acne. So if, if you have a candidate or an applicant that's taking Accutane, they're not going to get qualified for Dobmerb while they're on it. They've got to be off of it for, I think it's, it's six months maybe. So there's all these things that, um, that you don't want to find out and figure out when you're filling out that questionnaire. Right. And we're going to go in here in a few minutes about some of the common things uh, that disqualify candidates. So we'll talk about that. But at, before we uh, you know, sort of uh, chat about that, I want to just talk about lying on this questionnaire. Um, and I've seen this and it's it's uh, a very, in my opinion, a very selfish thing to do is to uh, lie on the questionnaire. So it's lying uh, about a medical condition, about a mental health uh, condition, uh, about an allergy uh, or something like that, where you don't report it. And what that's called is that's called failure to disclose. Now, let's just say you have a peanut allergy, which is a medically disqualifying condition. Now, when you're training an ROTC or the service academies, that may never manifest itself because you know, you're in a school environment and you're in a field environment, but not in an austere uh, circumstance. But then uh, imagine you're commissioned as a lieutenant in the Marine Corps and you're deployed to Afghanistan or some other country and you're in and and you're forced to eat. You're forced to eat the local cuisine, which is uh, laden with peanuts and you then break out into a peanut allergy or what or that's one example. So what you're doing there is you're putting your yourself at risk and you're putting your troops at risk. You're leading America's sons and daughters and you're unable to discharge your duties because of a medical condition that you failed to disclose. So you're endangering the lives of fellow Americans. So, you know, you may see, see this as a short-term thing with it's a scholarship and you're being paid this money. And, uh, but in, you need to think long-term regarding this and you need to, you need to be truthful in, uh, these, in this medical uh, questionnaire, uh, because if you don't, you are, uh, in fact, uh, being, I think, being selfish. Uh, so that's just kind of my two cents on this, John. I'm not, you can add your two bits to it, but that's kind of my thought and, you know, regarding, you know, this thing and non, and non-disclosure. No, I, I agree completely. Yeah. So great. So let's, um, let's go ahead and, uh, move on here and we can talk about some of the things that DQs a uh, well. First of all, let's let's. First of all, what I want to do is I want to talk about the definitions because I know we've thrown out some of these definitions, and so Dodmerb has uh, sort of three uh, definitions. Uh, they say qualified. First of all, is qualified. So that means the applicant is offered an appointment or scholarship. The applicant accepts the offer. The applicant is qualified physically. Then a remedial is that Dodmerb is requesting additional test studies or medical records 
uh, and is awaiting the applicant to provide those additional tests, studies, or medical records or information. And then the final category is does not meet DOD medical standards. So the applicant has been determined to have a condition that does not meet the medical standards, right? And then what does then be, uh, are the common things that are medical issues that cause Dodmer disqualification? So, you know, you can go on many different kind of websites regarding this, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tick off some here just so, uh, you know, just uh, for you, for your guys' information. So one would be um, color vision. But color vision, um, there's no color vision standard for accession into the Air Force or Marine Corps. Army uh, programs only require an uh, applicant to pass a vivid red, vivid green test. So you can actually not have color vision and, and uh, and actually assess into the service. And so you can be medically qualified. I mentioned earlier food allergies, common is a peanut allergy, any allergies that require emergency medical intervention such as epinephrine. Chronic diseases of the skin, such as pariasis, dermatitis, eczema, are disqualifying. Now, these are significant chronic diseases of skin, not you know, not small patchy things. So, so for example, uh, you know, you may list that I have a skin condition, eczema. Dodberp comes back with asking for remedial about your eczema. You then submit medical or a questionnaire stating it's only small eczema, and then you're given uh, a qualification at that point, but we're talking about severe uh, skin issues. Another uh, big one is a history of depressive or anxiety symptoms. So it may be considered for a waiver the treatment is completed and a period of convincing stability demonstrated without the need for ongoing medication or psychotherapy. Now, this brings up some of the, some of the uh, you know, use of like things like Ritalin for ADHD, you know, my recommendation there, you know, regarding military services, you need to think hard. If you're, if you know your child is interested in medical military service, you need to think hard whether or not uh, such things such as Ritalin uh, are needed or not. And I know, John, you've probably seen some cases on the board and maybe uh, about this kind of ADHD medication and, and use of kind of these uh, antidepressive medications. Yeah, I have read quite a few uh, stories, um, and that's where Larry Mullen's been great with just giving personal advice, but it's definitely something to to definitely think about. And, you know, the key thing here is it says uh, that you need to have a period of convincing stability. Uh, so, you know, if you're still on a antidepressive uh, medication when you're applying for Dodmer, then it's going to be real hard to clear that uh, you're going to be found probably disqualified from uh, military from uh, for, from Dodmer if you're still on to the, this antidepressive medication. Uh, but you need to have a period of time. Now, how the period of time is defined is, uh, believe, laid out in uh, 6130.03. So you can uh, reference that. Another one I know that you mentioned, John, earlier is the. Uh, Bronchiospasm for any reason, including asthma, restrictive airway disease, and exercise-induced bronchiospasma that has been reliably diagnosed and treated beyond the age of 13. So if you haven't cleared these uh, bronchio uh, breathing issues after the age, beyond the age of 13, you're going to be disqualified and from, um, from by Dodmerb. Uh, a history of bedwetting, which has not been convincingly uh, resolved. Now that you know, obviously, if you had bedwetting when you were two or three or when you were young, 
they're talking about things that haven't been resolved up until up until the time you've uh, that you're being uh, looked at. And then finally, things like uh, learning disorders. We talked earlier about ADHD, but you know, if you have if you need uh, academic uh, extra time and things like that, uh, that's very that's difficult to try to convince uh, Dodmer that you uh, are uh, medically qualified. So you got to be off any uh, type of uh, of these kind of AD, ADHD or other types of drugs for 15 months and that no educational accommodations uh, have been required. So those are kind of the major uh, things um, that, that, that I've seen now. I'm not, you know, I haven't certainly covered everything, but those are kind of the major things that, uh, that I've seen over my time, uh, ROTC and things like that. So, so at this point, then, if you do not have a, if, um, in other words, if you're disqualified from, so you, let's just say, for example, you, uh, one of the things that's common uh, that I've seen is you have a, you get your vision test and you have astigmatism of nine diopters, for example. That's just one example. What's going to happen then is, you're going to you're going to get something back from Dodmer that's good. it's not going to be remedial it's going to say that you're disqualified or you may for for astigmatism or you may have a situation say where you uh, say you had asthma that when you were 14 years old but then it was resolved after the age of 14 for example so then what's going to happen is the Dodmerb will say you're disqualified. You're disqualified for astigmatism. You're disqualified because you had asthma after the age of 13, even though you say you were 14 years old. So what happens then is that triggers what's known as a waiver, a service waiver. So Dodmerb really, in this case, says you're disqualified. And now the service has to make a determination whether or not they're going to waive that disqualification. Now, all additional medical tests that you do uh, in order to either for remedial uh, is uploaded to the Dodmerb site, but the surgeon that for any of those services, so say, for example, Army ROTC, it's a cadet command surgeon, U.S. Army cadet command surgeon, takes a look at your medical records that are on Dodmerb and makes a determination on whether or not they're going to waive that medical disqualification. And so um, there's a number of, uh, of uh, things that the surgeon will do or will take into account when they decide whether or not to grant a waiver or not. And it's really based on the, on the service. So um, for example, uh, in the Army ROTC, they will traditionally, at least with my experience, they have traditionally waive uh, astigmatism up to 10 diopters. So your disqualification would automatically go to Army ROTC, then the surgeon would sign off on a waiver for, say, nine diopters of um, astigmatism. The service, the, the uh, Army ROTC surgeon may look at the uh, particular uh, asthma that you had at 14, determine that it's a minor case of asthma that had resolved itself at age 14 and then determine that a waiver is applicable in in the case of this person. And what they do is they take they uh, make the decision based on uh, a number of cri- a number of questions that they ask and those questions are is the condition progressive? 
is the condition subject to aggravation by military service? Will the condition preclude satisfactorily completion of prescribed training and subsequent military duty? And will the condition constitute an undue hazard to you or others, you that will be um, charged in leading, particularly under combat um, conditions? It's based on needs of the service, uh, these waivers. So, in, so, for example, when I was the professor of military science at Claremont McKenna from 2006 to 2009, that was right in the middle of the surge in Iraq, and we were having difficulties with some officer recruiting at that point, making our numbers for recruiting. So some things that Cadet Command Surgeon for the U.S. Army ROTC were waving off at that time, for example, say, asthma at the age of 15 or 16, they may have waived that off in 2006. However, the Air Force was not having any recruiting issues during that time. And the Air Force ROTC surgeon did not waive off the same condition that was waived off by by the Army ROTC. So it depends on the needs of the service. And in some years, a condition may be waived off, where in other years, it, it may make the disqualification may stand. So it really depends uh, on the service itself, uh, on the condition you have, whether it's progressive, and also the amount of medical records uh, that you uh, give, uh, that you upload to Dodberg. So we might do, we might, I might give you an example here. Let's just say you do have a medical condition, let's just say, where you uh, use antidepressives uh, at age 15 or 16 years old. I've seen some cases where uh, the parent uh, was a little bit of a hypochondriac or prescribed because the student's a minor, insisted that the doctor prescribe these uh, antidepressants to a student or an ADHD medication to the student. So Dodmerb would obviously disqualify you from for, for that condition. But then as the waiver is processed, you may upload, say, a letter from the parent uh, that states that they uh, provided the information, uh, you know, but it was not, but they were under pressure. The doctor may say, you know, that as far as I can tell, that was, it was, you know, this person didn't have this condition. There may be, in other cases, uploading additional medical information that allows then the cadet command surgeon or the uh, U.S. Uh, Navy ROTC uh, surgeon to make a decision on a waiver. So the more information uh, that you upload, medical information that you upload to Dodmerb so that uh, Dodmerb or the waiver authority can make a decision uh, is very, 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 very important in this process. However, um, you should avoid uh, uploading personal uh, opinions or other things that have no applicability to the medical condition uh, of the candidate. Uh, what I would say is, um, you know, this process, as John, as you mentioned earlier, sometimes these waivers can take months. I remember, you know, back in visiting the cadet command surgeon in 2008, you know, he just had a stack of, you know, of medical records on his desk and was going through, you know, the Dodd-Burp site and had hundreds of medical waivers he was considering. Now, remember, he's considering medical waivers, not just for uh, applicants such as, you know, such as your son, but he was considering people who are actually in college trying to get waivers. And so, you know, he's considering all these waivers and sometimes it takes months and months to go through these things. So, so the, particularly the waiver process is not 
a short term thing. I mean, you got to expect that this is going to take several months, particularly if the if the case is complex. So just some, you know, words of advice from from me, uh, just kind of my experience in regarding this waiver process. And and John, I just is there anything you know that I said in that kind of long time that I was talking here that kind of stood out to you? You know, I guess there's a few things. You know, one thing you mentioned with the timing of the waivers, a lot of that has to do with when your scholarship or scholarship is awarded. As you know, with Army, there's there's three boards. I think the, the NROTC meets regularly uh, as well as Air Force. And then the Marine option, there's two boards. So, you know, there's, there's applicants that are just – now finding out, I think the last Navy board was last week. So, you know, you're going to be bumping up against April to try and get these, uh, the waiver process finished by the time you start school. And so one of the things that, that was always important uh, in my son's case is to have a plan B. You know, once you get the scholarship, you still need to continue down the path of, of plan B just to make sure that you're not sitting sitting there in, you know, June or July getting a DQ and, uh, you know, not having a plan B. So, you know, my, my takeaways are, are start as early as you can, you know, be involved, be engaged and have a plan B in case things don't work out. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you have some, you know, conditions that, you know, would seemingly signal a, a DQ uh, disqualification or, you know, having to work through a waiver process. Yeah, John, I mean, you got to have a plan B because, you know, because this, process could drag on for a little while, you know, so you've got to make sure that, you know, that you, that you, you know, have that, that plan. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, that what you did, you know, with, uh, with your son regarding, you know, having the medical records ready, uh, doctor's notes, uh, things like that, uh, are very, very important. Now for, like I mentioned earlier with remedials, the, uh, military will pay for the remedials at their, uh, contractor Concord, but, you know, again, you know, if, if, if you don't like what Concord uh, came up with, uh, you can also uh, pay for your own medical uh, exam or your own medical treatments, not treatments, but, but uh, uh, you know, exam in order to give Dodmerb another look uh, from another person. Uh, so, uh, you know, the more information that both Dodmerb and the waiver authority have, the better. And you've really, if you really want, if you're really kind of skirting that, you know, getting that waiver, you've got to pull out all stops and have all the medical information that, so that uh, the, the uh, waiver authority can make uh, the proper decision. I think in a lot of cases with the waiver authority, what ends up happening uh, is they don't have the medical information that they need to make a proper decision, and then uh, they're disqualified because they just don't have that that uh, information. So uh, that's really, I think, the key is to um, you know is to provide a Dodmer and upload that information that they, that they need to uh, to make a decision. So I know we've gone over a lot today. Uh, what other things can you maybe think of, or any, any other things that you'd like to you know tell our audience? Uh, you know, regarding the process and, and your thoughts overall? You know, I think that the last two things I've got, and this is something that, that I picked up looking on the Service Academy forum is, you know, once you get into this Dodmerb process, the people at Dodmerb and Dodmets will not talk to the parents. This is something that uh, Larry Mullen talks about uh, frequently is that the communication has to be between your son or daughter and Dodmerb. So it's very important during this process. I know we have some helicopter parents that are going to take and fill the form out 
themselves, it's very important for the applicant to be involved in the process because they're going to be asked the questions during the physical and they're going to have to explain things to Dodmerb. So uh, make sure that you don't go to the, the too far extreme and not uh, include your mm -hmm. son or daughter in this. And then the last thing, I guess some of the good news is, is if you do, if you are applying for multiple ROTC scholarships, uh, in most cases, if you're qualified for one, then you're going to get qualified for, if you're qualified for Army, then, you know, most likely you're going to get qualified for Navy or for Marine Corps. And, and they handle that process once um, you're selected for another scholarship. That's their Dodmerv's automatically notified and there's nothing that you have to do to get that additional qualification. Right. So when your son got the Army, note the Dodmerb kicked in, got the Dodmerb qualification. And when the Marine Corps option came a few months later, it was automatic qualification. That's that's correct. Right, right. Now, you know, on the other end, you go to the waiver process with Dodmerb. You could be waived off by the Army, but not waived off by the Navy. So you could end up having uh, a condition that gives you the Army ROTC scholarship, but not necessarily the, the Navy Marine Corps option. So the waiver is based on the service service itself. Correct. So, yeah, so that's uh, something, you know, to uh, realize and to think about. Remember, again, you can't contract in uh, and draw scholarship benefits until you are medically qualified. So uh, that is, you know, important and to know. And it's, it's, it's the Dodmer process is as important as all the other work you put in to get the scholarship uh, for uh, whatever service ROTC program that you've applied to. So understanding the process uh, is important. And what we hope, uh, what John and I hope today is that through this uh, podcast that, you know, that, that uh, you guys uh, who are listening uh, understand it a little bit more. And again, you know, we're not medical experts. And we would, you know, certainly recommend that you go to the Dodmerb site uh, in order to get, uh, you know, the best and most up-to-date information on, on the Dodmerb process. And so, John, I'd like to thank you for coming uh, on the podcast today. And, um, and hopefully we can have you on soon again. Sounds good. Thank you, Rob. Okay, thanks. Thank thanks for listening to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please leave a quick review. If you have any questions or want more information about ROTC or our consulting services, please visit our website at rotcconsulting.com. Take care and we'll see you next time.